This is Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. Here's Johnny. Oh, wait, what do you want? You want? Hey, motherfucker. You never go ask them out. Now what is so damn funny? And here we go. We will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. Force will be with you. Always. But the truth! You can't handle the truth! What's up, fanboys and fangirls? Welcome to another edition of the For Real Movie Club. This is the May set of films that we're going to be doing, and you might recognize that this is not Chris Dace talking. This is Tony Mango, your host of the panel, and I'm joined today with Will Molinar. Hello! So, I need to preface this ahead of time, everybody. Not only am I hosting the show um, instead of Dace, but... We are doing this very late. Uh, we've had so many issues when it comes to this podcast. We have had rescheduling problems. We've had Skype problems. We've had just, you know, anything that you can possibly imagine. So I apologize ahead of time for it being, you know, June and us doing the May edition and just the haphazard nature that this is probably going to be. But uh, we needed to make sure that we got a, another edition for you anyway. We weren't going to just skip a month. The hell with that, right? And, uh, what we're going to be doing this month is based off of uh, the Jurassic World movie coming up. We're going to be doing four dinosaur films. These were picked by Chris Dace, and uh, I had seen two of them before, and I hadn't seen two of the other ones. But, um, you know, they seemed pretty interesting and stuff, so I figured I'd just dive right in, whatever. Uh, the first movie that we're going to be talking about is The Land Before Time. That movie is something that is... A classic, but not something that I was too familiar with. I mean, I knew the basic story, obviously, dinosaurs, you know, <laughs> that's kind of how it goes. Uh, but it's a movie that a lot of people watch when they were a kid, and I didn't get around to it. Or if I did, I didn't remember anything. Uh, it was 1988 is when it came out, directed by Don Bluth, and uh, written by Stu Krieger. Story by Judy Friedberg, Friedberg, not sure how you pronounce that, and Tony Geis. A bunch of actors that I didn't really recognize uh, on the list and stuff like that. Now, we usually break down a lot of different things when it comes to, do you think that the casting is good? Do you think that the music is good and stuff like that? Since this is a weird podcast this month, we're just going to keep this very, very basic. Um, but this 1988 movie came out a year after I was born, so of course I wasn't you know, hopping in the movie theaters to see this. Will, you're a little bit older than I am. Um, do you have any fond memories or anything from Land Before Time? Just a little. Um, you know, I mean, who doesn't like dinosaurs? You know what I mean? It, it's, it's so weird because it's something that's so universal. You know, we have a, a two-year-old, you know, our son James, and his, he says dinodom <laughs> for dinosaur. You know what I mean? And it, The Land Before Time, it's funny because that was, uh, I believe that was like Spielberg, yeah? Yeah, Spielberg, yeah. Lucas, Kathleen Kennedy, and uh, Frank Marshall were the producers. So, you know, strong team behind it. Yeah, yeah, good old Amblin, you know. Mm -hmm. The 80s, man, it's like they just, they could do nothing, they could do nothing wrong. What I find so interesting about that that movie is like, I believe there's like, what, like 10 sequels or something like that, or 12? I mean, there's a lot of movies in that whole series, you know what I mean? Let's see here, there are, there's 
Land Before Time 2, The Great Valley Adventure, Land Before Time 3, The Time of the Great Giving. Was this like Thanksgiving or something? <laughs> Land Before Time 4, Journey Through the Mist, Land Before Time 5, The Mystery Island, wow. 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. There's, yeah, 14 or something here. Um, there's a TV series, there's music albums, games. My God. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And it's funny because, you know, I grew up uh, a Disney fan. You know, just everything Disney. You know, we had the Disney Channel. We would go see every Disney movie that came out. The Land Before Time feels like a Disney movie that wasn't made by Disney. You know what I mean? But it's a little more – It. Would, I remember it being a little more sophisticated at the same time. Yeah, it's kind of like it was um, like a precursor to uh, DreamWorks or something. Like the kind of Elseworlds Disney factor. Yeah. I can yeah. see that, definitely. Because it is dealing with some adult themes and stuff. I mean, obviously, the uh, the dinosaurs, eventually they're not going to make it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the start of the film is, it's crazy. It just is like, hey, kids, death. <laughs> 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 you got the inevitable opening scene of the T-Rex going all, Rah, nature practically built me to fuck shit up. And, like, uh, you know, the parents are killed. And, like, it's, it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty dark at the beginning of this. Yeah. Well, that's that's I think another reason why it kind of reminds me of Disney because, you know, everybody knows Bambi, spoiler alert, but uh, you know, Bambi Bambi's uh mother dies and you know, and and oh, I mean, look how dark and twisted Dumbo is, man. Jesus. Yeah, Dumbo's like a nightmare. It's horrible. <laughs> and those pink elephants dancing, it's like a freaking acid trip. <laughs> that in Fantasia. So, I mean, oh man. Yeah. So it's a little bit weird when, like, you can go, well, kids, you want to see this nice little dinosaur movie? All right, well, the parents die, and this person dies, and whatever, and there's this horrible comet, and, like, it's kind of like the beginning of Up, where, you know, you want to see a movie about a talking dog and stuff, and it's, like, horrible depressing. Yeah, you're just bawling your eyes out the whole time, you know? Ugh. Although this movie definitely appeals more to kids than one of the movies that we're going to talk about a little bit later on, Dinosaur, which um, it's good in some ways, but it actually made it a little bit more difficult for me to get into. Yeah, I'm watching this when I'm 27, so there's a, that kind of disconnect where if you've watched something when you were a kid and it resonated with you, then you can kind of forgive it a little bit later. But Yeah, the nostalgia factor is very yeah. strong. Yeah, for but sure. it's difficult to get into it when you're an adult. So this movie wasn't really. I mean, this is probably my least favorite out of the four that um, that we did. That's the land before. Sure. Yeah, this one. Uh, I I didn't really care about the characters. It was rough. Like Sarah, she's a bitch the entire time. <laughs> well, I think they just they made the characters very one note. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and it's more about the journey. And just following them along and you want – you know, it's like they had all these bad things happen at the beginning so you would want them to succeed no matter what. You know, right. you just got to root for – what, Littlefoot I think Littlefoot, is – yeah. Yeah, you know, and he's cute and this and that. But yeah, every character is kind of just – they're one-dimensional. They just kind of fit these boxes that kids are familiar with and that's it, you know. Yeah, Littlefoot's pretty much just generic protagonist. Yeah, he's the hero guy. Here he is. You got to root for him. You know. I can't remember which one it is. It's um, I'm assuming Petri, uh, the like the complete wimp, and then there's 
something like that. Something else. And then there's one that doesn't even talk. Uh, Spike. It's like a pet. So so it's like some dinosaurs can talk and some can't. You know, (laughs) typical like Disney little kid kind of stuff. But I don't recognize any of the actors. um, But I do recognize Pat Hengel is the narrator. He was, uh, yeah, he was a fantastic uh, dramatic actor. Actually, Um, he was in a few westerns with uh, Clint Eastwood. Um, Hang 'em high. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, you know, what's unfortunate about him? He's kind of like um, George Kennedy, who was a fantastic actor back in the day. But most people recognize them for work that they did later. Yeah. You know, Pat, everybody knows from the, you know, the Batman movies where he plays Commissioner Gordon. He's kind of goofy. Um, George Kennedy, people know from the Naked Gun movies. You know, yeah. And they're they're great in those movies, but those guys were like great. They were amazing actors, you know. Like uh, Fred Gwynn is kind of the same thing. Even somebody you know? like a Jack Lemmon, like uh, you get a Jack Lemmon, and people go, "Oh, grumpy old men." You're like, "Yeah, but he had like decades of a career before that." <laughs> yeah, they don't think about classics and stuff. It's kind of sad, but that's you know, these actors when they get older, they have to kind of take what they can get. You know, they're just trying to get a paycheck. So I don't know if Pat Hingle was doing this. <laughs> I would assume you know. so. Yeah. Unless he was like one of those guys that you find out like he just really loves dinosaurs and he was just like, oh my God, a dinosaur movie. I need to be a part of it. Like, Did it for his grandkids, you know? Yeah, that's true. He could have yeah. been done for that. Yeah. But the uh, the other actors, Gabriel Damon, Candy Hudson, Judith Barcy, Will Ryan, none of these people sound familiar to me. I'm sure if I went on their IMDb's, I'd be like, oh, they were that guy in that thing, like that kind of thing, but... Uh, they don't stand out to me, so it's not like casting is like, well, do you think somebody else could have been better in 1988 for Sarah? Or, you, know, like... you know, what's funny is like that kind of casting role would never happen nowadays. Mm-hmm. You get an animated film that you're spending 150, you know, even 180, 200 million dollars on, you have to have like a superstar voice cast. You can't just hire people for their voices anymore. They, they hire them for their star power. Right. I mean, and. Look at something like uh, we were talking about comparing this to Disney. Look at something like Aladdin. Like you get Robin Williams as the genie, and you get, uh, you know, if you're if you're going for something now, you're going to get like Shrek has the uh, Mike Myers and Eddie Murphy and John Lithgow and all that. Like even supporting characters are voiced by somebody who is known. Yeah, isn't that funny how it's changed though? You would think almost that you would want to go back to that, though, like save a little bit of money because you don't have to pay these people as much. They're thinking about putting the name on the poster right. and going to draw people in. That's, that's all they care about. They're scared. You know what I mean? They're scared to death. They have to have big names attached to everything now. Of course, you know, through all these movies, not of these people were able to stick around. A lot of people recast and stuff. I think it says here – uh, that there are four or five different people, bring this up to be sure, that have played uh, Littlefoot alone. Wow, well, there's even more than that. Okay, this list just keeps going. Um, the guy who played Littlefoot in this one only did it in this movie. Then it started going to Scott McAfee, Brandon LaCroix, uh, Thomas Decker, who some might know from Heroes and the Sarah Connor Chronicles. He ended up doing it for quite a while and get to a point where they, you know, they do like a movie apiece, it seems. And then wow. they just go on. Rob Paulson is on here. Uh, oh, actually, I do recognize one of the names on this list, though, other than Hingle and Thomas Decker. It's uh, the voice of Spike, the one that didn't talk, Frank Welker. No way. Yeah. Well, he did a lot of grunts and uh, groans then, because that's yeah. what he's 
because he's the guy. Like, you he's need somebody the, to do a dog, you get Frank Welker. <laughs> he's the weird voices, the weird noises. They're not even voices. <laughs> Can't believe he's still doing those. It's crazy that he's like Santa's little helper and Spike and whatever. He's just amazing. Um, but when you're wa- watching this movie, now that you're watching it as an adult, anything stand out to you that, um, I don't know, it was like a little bit too fantastical or something? I don't know. I what I remember the most, and what kind of has touched me recently is um, the animation. You know, I love the simplicity of the animation. You know what I mean? It's it's that has changed so dramatically as well. You know, there's no there was no such thing as computer generated images, and all animation was hand drawn, and I I really miss that. So like watching this film now in 2015, it's like whoa, what happened? You know what I mean? Yeah, you can see like the personal touch added to it. Yeah. I got a feeling though when I was watching this that it sort of felt more like an educational film, but without the educational aspect. You know what I'm talking about? It's kind of, uh, it's draped in a thing that kids will like and respond to. Yeah. Came off a little bit preachy, sort of, to me. So that was a little odd. Um, I didn't expect that. I expected it to just be, you know... Silly dinosaurs bouncing around and stuff like that, but quite as subtle as I remember, because I think as a kid you don't get it, mm-hmm. and adult you watch some of them. And I mean, it is somewhat manipulative, you know. It's like okay, that's they're trying to do this for that reason, you know what I mean? Do you ever watch any of those sequels and stuff? No, never. I check them out either. There's so many of them, you know. Yeah, and the, some of these titles are really ridiculous. I mean. It makes sense to have like uh it says what what's this number? Um number eight here, the big freeze. Alright, yeah, you know, there was an ice age. Makes sense. Then there's sure. Invasion of the Tiny Sauruses. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you get so many, it's like you start to you start to run out of uh ideas. It looks like they've done one movie a year. Ever That's since nuts. you know, all the way up until two thousand seven and then they took a break. They got another one coming out in 2015. The before Journey. time was it 14? Uh, the Journey of the Heart. Journey of the Heart, baby. Here it comes. This is going to be when Sarah stops being a bitch. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, doesn't even have her listed in the cast. It's just Littlefoot, Ducky, and Petri. Ah, uh, that's odd. that's true. But um, that is a direct-to-video animated film. It's not coming in theaters and stuff. So anybody interested in that, you're going to have to just Netflix it. Yep. Um, any like uh, favorite or least favorite scenes that you had? Um, I can't really think of any. I mean, it's all somewhat—I don't want to say generic, but it's all kind of—it's all kind of there. I think what it is is the the totality of the story. It, you know what I mean? It's not necessarily built on on great scenes that are memorable. Yeah, the only thing that I remembered after watching it, I watched this and Dinosaur back to back at like. I don't know, five in the morning or something like that. So uh, for those that don't know, uh, haven't listened to podcasts in the past and stuff, I barely sleep. It's really horrible for me. But um, so I watch a lot of movies at like two in the morning. And by the next day, I kind of have to like, um, not that I don't remember them, but I, yeah, it kind of like blends in with a lot of things. And the only thing that stood out to me the next day was uh, I remembered the scene with the tree star. I thought that that was a kind of cute idea. 
you know, instead of just making it a leaf and, you know, we eat this, it's, well, it's a special tree star and you, you got to find the other ones and stuff like, yeah, you know, that's, that's something cute for little kids to follow. Something unique of that world that might yeah. be true. We don't know. So rating zero to 10, 10 being the highest, zero being just the worst movie of all time. What would you give this? Land Before Time, you know, as a film itself, maybe like a six, but with the nostalgia factor, I'd probably bump it to a seven. I'm going to be much more critical. <laughs> I have written down a three out of ten. Because you're a cynical bastard, that's why. Yeah, that's pretty true. <laughs> uh, I think if I would have watched this as a kid, I would have had that nostalgia factor, and that would have at least bumped it up to a five or a six, but I don't remember watching it. I I'm, I could swear that I've watched it as a kid. But, I mean, that one year after I'm born kind of thing, it could have been something that was just, like, in the background, some kids watching it, or maybe it was even one of the other ones, too. That could have been that. Well, you yeah, know. it's all the same, so... It all blends in together. But I loved dinosaurs as a kid, and uh, I got into them mostly for the next movie that we're going to talk about. So if you are listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher then you need to just wait a minute and we will be right back. And if you are on YouTube, then click on that next video. We're going to talk about Jurassic Park. Welcome back, everybody, to part two of the May edition of the Four Real Movie Club. We're talking dinosaur movies. We just talked about The Land Before Time. And now we're moving on to what I would assume everybody, if you have seen one of these films, you've seen this one. The biggest name of all the films on the list here. And the main reason why we're doing this edition, too, Jurassic Park, the 1993 sci-fi film that really just changed cinema. Amazing, amazing movie that, um, in more ways than one, too, changed the game. Uh, mostly, I would say, for the uh, CGI aspect. And uh, when I went back and I rewatched this movie, which I've seen this movie a dozen you know, certain times. Love it. One of my favorite movies when I can just go back, put it on, whatever, but... Uh, I made sure this time around to watch some of the more obscure DVD stuff and um, special features and the documentaries that they've done on it and stuff. Uh, very interesting when it comes down to the CGI. They didn't plan on having pretty much any CGI because, you know, at the time it wasn't really the most well-known thing. It wasn't a fully developed system and stuff. But they went out of their way to get the typical people for the stop-motion animation and once it figured out that CGI was the way to go, uh, the stop-motion stuff became just more of a tracking record and kind of a pre-vis situation. Uh, It's kind of nuts to think about that, that this movie essentially killed the stop-motion animation field. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, You know, I don't know that much about the technical side of it, but I noticed you called it a science fiction film. Mm Mm-hmm how you you really consider it? I know some people call it a, an adventure film. Some people call it a thriller, too. And it's kind of like a couple different aspects of each. Because uh, I'm I'm a big fan of Michael Crichton, you know, the novels of Michael Crichton. Right. And of course, I saw the movie way before I read the, the book, but he's kind of known as like the techno-thriller. There's some kind of technology, you know, mer- technology. Yeah, you know, and then something bad happens. That's kind of how a lot of his books go. Yeah, I consider it a, 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 an adventure film. Sure, you can you know, say there's science fiction, but I, I don't know. I mean, it, I think that's what's one of the appeal, the big appeals of it is that it does, it has a good cross-genre you know, thing going on there. 
Yeah, it's not too sci-fi where like it becomes like dorky. Like, a lot of yeah. people, it's hard to, for them to get into a film like that because if you're explaining stuff, especially something like a Star Wars or whatever, you're like, all right, come on, like. Yeah, got these, yeah. You know, the ships are flying and whatever like that. Now, I love Star Wars, but... Um, Spaceships and laser guns, that's science fiction. Right. Well, Star Wars 2 is, is cross-genres. I mean, there yeah. is some... There's fantasy elements, there's action-adventure, you know. Elements as well. You've got the master and the student and, you know. So it's good to see that, like, the sci-fi aspect that they have in this, it's muted enough that people can just go into it and... They also do a good job, I think, of trying to explain it in, like, a simple way. I always was a big fan of the fact that, like, they got a lot of the exposition out of the way with that little introductory film. That's one of my favorite scenes, man. I love that with the little uh, cartoon creature. Yeah, the little DNA guy. I love that. That's that's awesome. It's such a good way of doing it because it's, like, it works in the story without people just explaining stuff. You know, one of the oddest things about films is when a character exists to be Mr. Exposition and he's just like, well, this is what's happening right now and I'm explaining it to the people that already know. Well, these people would know, but to a general tourist at Jurassic Park, they wouldn't. There's a great scene in, speaking of good exposition, you know, happening, uh, the Terminator, when they're being chased and Kyle is explaining things to Sarah Connor. Well, guess what? There's a badass car chase going on with this motherfucking Terminator on their ass and it, you know it, it, what a great way to explain what's happening because there's also a mystery at this point if you the first time you've ever seen the Terminator you don't know what's happening so you want somebody to kind of explain it and the same thing with Jurassic Park you know that scene happens right after you see the big huge dinosaurs in the field for the first time mm-hmm. yeah you're wondering you're, like how the hell did they do this like Oh, yeah, I mean, so you're in the place of the characters so strongly that you don't mind exposition. You don't even, you know, you're you're dying for it, and that's what makes it work so well, you know. And it's also presented like a little kids thing, so it's like it's dumbed down, and like, so you're never gonna run into anybody who's watching the movie and they're going like, I still don't fucking get it. Like, you know, if you don't get it at that point, you're not going to. You know, it's not some PhD, you know, scientist. Yeah. Well, this is uh, dioxyribonucleic acid, and this is the form of the blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know, it would bore you to tears, but it's fun. And it also fits, like you said, within the story. They're going to have some kind of ride like this at the park. And John Hammond is showing off and saying, hey, this is what we're doing. We spared no expense. People are going to go through this. I'm showing it to you first. You know, there's other layers going on there. It all makes, you know, it all matters. It's such a good way to do it, and it, they do that throughout the whole film. I mean, there's a lot of different setup for different things. I mean, of course, John Hammond saying, we spared no expense, that it's like, yet they were completely neglectful of, um, what was his name, uh, Wayne Knight's character. You know, the reason why he screws everything up for them is because they did spare expense. <laughs> yeah. And there's yeah. the beginning scene, the helicopter. Um, I didn't know this until years after I had seen the movie. I didn't, you know, think too much about a lot of like the background stuff when it comes to films. But later on, there's a message from Jeff Goldblum, and he says, "Life finds a way." Uh, yeah. When they're talking about the every dinosaur in the park is female, so you can't reproduce. Well, in the helicopter, Grant has the two female ends of the uh, buckle for his seatbelt. 
and they're looking around and they're all you know strapping themselves in and all he does is he just ties a knot yeah he's bad with technology and everything like that and and he finds yeah. a way to get the two female ends to work like that's yeah. it's brilliant uh, that they do that kind of stuff it's so great and it's really cool man i never noticed that of course wow. the uh the theme song you know that's one of the biggest parts about this movie that's and you're going to talk about something brilliant there's something right there on Williams, baby, come on. That's Williams is he, a man. He really is. Him and Spielberg together. I mean, come on. Like you can't, you know, you can't get better than that. Spielberg is actually my favorite director of all time. So, you know, Jurassic Park is probably I don't know maybe fourth or fifth favorite Spielberg film. And I remember one? number one Raiders of Lost Ark. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Raiders of Lost Ark. Schindler's List is up there. Temple of Doom. You know, I love Indiana Jones. So. Um, but Jurassic Park, I remember watching that in the theater, and I walked out thinking I would see dinosaurs walking down the street. Yeah. That's how – now, I'm older than you. Okay, I was in high school um, or just had graduated high school. That's a magical thing, man. I mean, to walk out of a theater just blown away, you know, and it, and it holds up all these years later. It does, and there's so many movies that came out even after this, and you look at it and you're like, that is so fake. <laughs> oh, the like- – it still looks amazing. Mm-hmm. And you can't tell, really. I mean, there are certain scenes, if you know, you're somebody who studies films and stuff like that, you're like, well, this had to have been CGI. But you look at, like, the Triceratops, it's sick. And you're like, well, you know, that could be that could be CGI in that shot. That could be uh, just a mechanical one in that shot. I'm pretty sure that one's mostly mechanical, but... Yeah, it's um, got to... Because they're touching it. I mean, they're on top yeah. of it, and it- and down, you know, when it's breathing. But it's crazy. I mean, that holds up. The theme song, of course, one of the most recognizable theme songs in movie history. Yeah. The first time you, you said, you know, you leave the movie theater and you're thinking you're going to see dinosaurs walking down the street. The first time you see a dinosaur in this movie, they make you wait. You know, they build it up. And that's just magical. Yeah. Like, yeah. a lot of movies, they pat themselves on the back and it's like, well, when you do this, you're going to, you know, shit yourself. And you're like, eh, you know, okay. Spielberg knows probably better than any director ever how to build up and, and pay off. Look at Jaws. Yeah. At what point in the movie do we see Jaws? You know, almost right at the very end. And it's such it, – I mean it's now – it's an iconic moment in, in cinema history. But it's like, damn, the impact on the audience, on the viewer is so amazing that you just – you never forget it. And the same thing with the T-Rex in this movie. I mean, easily one of the best shots of the entire film is that T-Rex with the banner falling. Yeah. Oh, right at the end. I love that. They originally weren't going to do that. They said the first ending was going to be the two different raptors were going to get killed by Grant. He was going to operate some kind of like a crane and like crush them. Ah. Which that would have been so disappointing. Well, let me ask you this then because I've heard – complaints about the Indian with the T-Rex being a, you know, um, deus ex uh, machina. Mm-hmm. Do you, I mean, do you understand that complaint? Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense because they just, just kind of pop up out of nowhere and save the yeah. day. But the, yeah, could, the justification that um, Spielberg had for it before was, well, oh, T-Rex is the star of the film, and if we don't do it, people are going to be mad, and eh, they'll just buy it. And it's like, yeah, people do. Like you know. They do works it, it totally works and it doesn't really come out of nowhere i mean you know that thing was tracking them right this 
time. So it's like it had to be around somewhere. You know Plus, what I mean? They say in the movie he doesn't want to be fed; he wants to hunt. Yeah. So you know he eats the goat, you know, because that's a goat, free goat. Like, <laughs> but uh, what better to hunt than? the ones that are the better hunters out of the whole bunch of them, you know, you can get some, some nice raptor meat, <laughs> you know, the, the T-Rex is an animal. They, they don't treat it like a monster film. They treat it like it's a bunch of animals. So it's an escape. Gonna... Like, it's like, uh, or Cujo or something, some mad beast that's mm-hmm. just it's to eat, you know? Yeah. He's not there to have like a vendetta. He's there to eat people. He's there to eat animals it's, and, you know, the raptors are loud. They're something that it's familiar with. So, hey, if I could go for a raptor instead of a human, I'll go for the raptor. And the humans can just escape. It's They conveniently have found a way. And they, of course, they didn't plan a lot of this stuff ahead of time. But, uh, like, they put themselves in a position where most of the plot holes can be explained still. Yeah. Even when it comes down to, like, now that we know that um, raptors should have feathers on them. Well, they already said in the movie that they use frog DNA to yeah. complete that. So, you know, there's no feathers on frogs, are there? There you go. There's your explanation. Not really dinosaurs, though. What's interesting, you know, my wife and I watched all three Jurassic Park films, you know, over the last week or so. Really? And we watched three today, which, I, in my opinion, is highly underrated. I like three a lot. It's not perfect, but it's a pretty solid film. But, um, you know, Sam Neill's character, Dr. Grant, says dinosaurs are extinct they died 65 million years ago the creatures that john hammond and all of them made on the island are not dinosaurs yeah they're just monsters they're dinosaur-esque they have a lot of the same you know features and stuff but they're not real dinosaurs frankenstein yeah they are frankenstein creatures that were created in the lab and guess what you know, Mother Nature is going to find her, you know, not just that life finds a way, but don't mess with Mother Nature. I think that's really the message, you know, because we, we can't control it. And I think that's that's a really intriguing aspect of the film. You know, that di- that dinner scene where, you know, they're all trying to, you know, explain or figure out what, you know, why are they doing this? And, you know, the lawyer guy is the only one that's sticking up for him. And yeah, I love that line. The uh what is it? The only one I've got on my side is the blood-sucking lawyer. <laughs> yeah. And it's true because he's seen dollar signs, and that's all John Hammond sees. Even in the second one, he still wants to go back and do it. Yeah. It's, how, are you ever going to learn? Like, how can you be that stupid? There's another great line that explains really just everything. Uh, Jeff Goldblum says – You've been so preoccupied with whether or not you could that you didn't stop to think if you should. It's a brilliant, brilliant way to put it. He's great in the movie too. Uh, you know, he's got the like the gratuitous pose shot with the smooth, uh, smooth operator shirt open and stuff. You know, typical yeah. like uh, you know the sex appeal kind of thing. But his character is just great. You know, he's yeah. an ass, a complete ass, and yeah, he's, he's smart. Not- you know, he's not just a jerk. He's smart on top of it. Yeah, he understands. Well, what's funny is like the book, um, for anybody that's read the novel of Jurassic Park, he's a much bigger character. Really? I mean, oh, yeah, he's a much bigger character. But I, I would have to say this is one of the rare instances where I like the movie better than the book. Now, I've never and, read the book. but Good. 
good. It's a little too technical at times. Um, but it's good. It's really good. Now, the book, uh, if uh, Ian Malcolm, if he's a bigger character in that, is he essentially the same kind of character, though? Or just with a bigger part? Or does he have, like, you know, sometimes they'll, they actually, they switched around the, uh, the children for the movie. Yeah. So did he's they do that kind of thing with him? Like, is he more of like the lawyer or something like that? Like, any no. kind of stuff? He's a chaos, a titian, whatever he calls himself. And he's more into, there's something very interesting in the book. Okay. He says that mankind, like he goes deeper into the arrogance of mankind, you know, that we think, we have a perspective on the universe and we don't, you know, a thousand years to the earth is nothing. Right. A million years to the earth is nothing. And the average human, la- you know, lives about 75 years. Like how can we possibly think that we have a handle on existence? We don't know anything. You know what I mean? We're completely clueless. The, um, <laughs> the character of Ian Malcolm is great, um, but most of the characters are. I mean, uh, one of my favorites is easily Wayne Knight's character, and uh, he is just as like as lovable of a villain as you can get. Like, you don't really hate Dennis Nedry, but he's clearly the villain of the film. Dotson, Dotson, Dotson here. See, nobody cares. <laughs> That's such a great line. Don't get cheap on me now, Dotson. <laughs> yeah. I love him. It's a shame that he couldn't have returned. I mean, obviously he had to die, but you know. Well, again, he represents, uh, you know, the fact that if you try something like this, you're going to have people gunning for you. It's just inevitable. I mean, you know, John Hammond is brilliant as a, a guy that he is. He's just in over his head. He doesn't understand it. You know, it's arrogance. You know, pride cometh before the fall. I mean, there you go. Yeah, and even when it comes to the hunter, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Muldoon. He is, you know, he's more concerned with the idea of, hey, he gives respect to the raptors, but he kind of goes off on his own a little bit. And it's like, well, I'm going to go get them because I'm a better hunter. Yeah. Well, I think for him, you know, I feel bad for that guy because – at least his heart was in the right place. I mean, I think maybe yeah. he's the only one. He was the most capable of going out and doing what he was doing. You know, it's just he was in over his head like everybody else. Right. You know, he. I mean, who else are you going to send? Yeah, you're not going to send John Hammond. <laughs> yeah, they could have done it. It's just, you, you know, the Raptors. It's kind of weird, though. Out of all the people that are in this movie, the only person I think that's coming back for Jurassic World is B.D. Wong. Yep, he's the only one. That's like, when they first showed the previews for uh, Jurassic World, I was like, oh, is uh, Chris Pratt playing Tim? You know, that kind of a thing. Like, But I guess they've all gotten their, their use out of stuff. You know, Goldblum's in the second one, Sam Neill and Laura Dern are in the third. Uh, Richard Attenborough, of course, he can't because he's unfortunately passed away. But he had a cameo in the second one. Yeah, he was able to do that. That was good. Yeah. It's it's had a nice continuity. What, I, what I'm what i glad about with Jurassic World is that it is a sequel. Yeah, instead of a reboot. Instead of a reboot. So what's cool is like the promise of a park, 
like an actual theme park where you go and see dinosaurs is happening with Jurassic World. Yeah. That's damn cool. I mean, I'm sorry. Like, I, you know, I'm starting to geek out a little bit because here it is. And, and the early buzz is, is very positive from what I've heard. I'm hoping it's great because if it's anything like Jurassic Park, I mean, you got it. But a um, couple notes that I had written down here. Uh, we talked about the, the idea of a lot of these things holding up. You know, the CGI, the music, the even the explanations of, like, the dinosaurs and the technology and stuff. One thing definitely doesn't, and it's the whole, uh, the the little girl, um, Alex, she's just like, oh, it's an interactive CD-ROM, and I'm a hacker, and all this, and it's like, oh, God. It's so embarrassing now. At the time, it made sense, but, you know. I don't even remember computers at all in 1993. No. I mean, so it must have been pretty fascinating. It was crazy at that time because it's like even in 96 you were using like Encarta Encyclopedia and stuff and uh, the only part that holds up when it comes to her character like that is the fact that she wants to be a vegetarian because that's like more popular than ever. <laughs> but uh, Well, I love, I love, you know, Dr. Grant and Sam Neill's character. I love his arc, you know, like he doesn't like kids at first and he scares the crap out of that kid at the beginning on the yeah. – the... just remember – you're alive when they begin to eat you. And then at the end, he's got this connection with these kids, and it's great. You know, it's kind of smaltzy, but it it just works. You know, it's fun. It's very Spielbergian. It's very Spielbergian, yes. Yeah. He's always got that the dad thing going on. Yeah. I don't think I've seen a single film of his that doesn't have something like that. <laughs> you know, uh, even like Super 8 and stuff, like it's – you know, struggling dad or a guy who doesn't want to have kids or something like that. Every movie, but oh. it works. You know, it's just a shame that in the third movie that they don't have Ellie and uh, Alan together. That always bugged me. Yeah. Well, she wanted to have kids and he didn't, and they, you know, kind of went their separate ways. I guess. Yeah. To me, it's a little depth to the in between the films. I like imagining what took place in between these films. And it's like, hey, she got a family. She got what she wanted. He's doing his science thing and, you know, giving these speeches. And uh, that's kind of cool, you know? It's more realistic. Yeah. I mean, as realistic as you can get when all this kind of crazy shit happens. (laughs) (laughs) One note I got here for Alan Grant. Uh, Harrison Ford turned down the role. Wow, really? Yeah, he you know just didn't think that it was right for him, and I think he's right in the end. I think this is Sam Neill's. If not, it would have just been Harrison Ford running around with dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, he's too big. I think casting-wise, though, they, they hit the nail on the head. I can't think of anybody that would have been better. No, no, it's a fantastic cast, for sure. Uh, Everybody, another, little memorable thing, you know. Another note I got here, um, probably my favorite shot of the movie outside of the banner falling scene. How great is it when they're trapped in the car and the water in the glass starts rippling? That's what I was going to say. Yeah, that's it's been it's been parodied and, and, you know, mimicked so many times now that it's yeah, it's. It's It's genuinely terrifying. It is. You know Shit's about to go down. Dude, you got 12,000 pounds of, of born killer coming towards you. 
You know what I mean? That could bite you in half without even thinking. And it's just that impending doom. It, you know, they don't have to show, you know, the T-Rex's uh, face getting ready to eat them or something. It's just, you know, it's the Jaws effect. You know what's coming, but you, know you don't know how bad it's going to be. You can't do anything about it. The cars aren't running. It's dark. The fences are out. You're fucked. I mean, that's it, you know. So what would you say some other favorite, least favorite things from this movie? You know, I have to go back to the the first reveal. Like, that was just crazy. You know, I, I, I will always remember that. Um, another one is the scene when um, Laura Dern's character goes back and tries to turn the power on. She's looking for Samuel Jackson. And the, the raptor shoves its face through the through the little fence there, through the little door. I jumped out of my seat. I almost pissed myself in the theater. <laughs> and and she goes went, backward and it's just yeah. his arms. Yeah. Well, right after that, she finds his arm and then the raptor jabs its head through the yeah. opening. I went back to see it again in the theater, you know, and the guy next to me almost jumped out of his seat. And I started, <laughs> and, you know, he gave me a dirty look and I was like, dude, don't worry. I, the same thing happened to me. Right. Because I knew what was coming that time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, you, now you're like, okay, well. This is the shot where the guy in the toilet's fucked, and this is the shot where, you know, this is happening, whatever. But first time around, you're not expecting it. Yeah, you're not expecting it. I like when the car is coming down the tree, and they, they're, you know, Sam Neill and the kid are trying to get down to the ground, and they get down to the ground, and then the car falls on them again. Yeah. And like, we're back in the car again. <laughs> He's like, I threw up. <laughs> Typical little kid thing. You're getting chased by a goddamn dinosaur. You've watched somebody get mauled to death. I threw up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's great. I like the three of them together. You know, Sam Neill and the two kids. Like, they go through some shit together. You know what I mean? They're being chased. They have to go over the fence. And, like, you know, the kid gets electrocuted. And he's got to give him CPR. And, like, I mean, that's some real bonding there. That's, like, great storytelling. You know, they they have a reason um, you know, to have a, a bond together because they actually go through things. And there's a great interaction with Sam Neill's character in them because you can see him warming up to them. Like, yeah. you know, you said the first scene that he's dealing with that one kid with the uh, the archaeological dig and he's always like, well, they're going to fuck you up. They're going to slit your friggin' uh, stomach and whatever. And then you get like the I threw up thing and his response isn't like, oh, shut up, you know, just get out of the car. It's I'm not going to tell anybody you threw up, Tim. And well, when he gets to the fence, he pretends that he's getting electrocuted to fuck around with the kids a little bit. Like, It's a great it's a great evolution. And you see, you know, at the beginning, like you said, with the kid on the on the dig, he just doesn't get it. He doesn't get that kids are kids. And then when he comes back to the car, um, you know, with Jeff Goldblum and Jeff Goldblum's like, are the kids OK? Sam Neill's like, uh, I don't know. I didn't ask. Right. It's like he just he doesn't get it. You know what I mean? So it's great to yeah to see him evolve and to actually understand. You know, kids are gonna be kids. You know, they're gonna get scared and they need people to to help them, adults to help them. So zero out of ten. What do you give Jurassic Park? Oh man, it's it's at least a nine point five. I mean, ten is pretty rare for me, but it, it's as close to perfect as a movie can get. Definitely agree. I'm giving that a nine. Same reasons though. It's uh, the only reason I wouldn't give it a ten is because ten is something that you got to reserve for like 
absolutely 100% perfect, then that's almost impossible. But amazing movie. And one of those films that, if anybody hasn't ever seen it, drop what you're doing and go see Jurassic Park. What is wrong with you? Right. But there are other movies that uh, we have coming our way, and the next one we're going to talk about is the sequel to this one, which, uh, you know, it's not exactly the same, but it's got its good points. That's The Lost World, Jurassic Park, coming up in Part 3. As I mentioned before, iTunes and Stitcher listeners, all you got to do is wait a second and we will be right back. And if you're on YouTube, then you need to click on Part 3, and uh, that'll be it. So Part 3 coming your way, Lost World, Jurassic Park, for the May edition of the 4 Real Movie Club. Welcome back to Part 3 of the May edition of the 4 Real Movie Club. We talked about Land Before Time, we talked about Jurassic Park. We're going to continue on with the Jurassic Park series here and talk about the sequel to it. The Lost World Jurassic Park. Now, this movie came out a couple years later. Uh, followed the events of the same film, though, and you know kept the continuity going and all that. They didn't have reboot crazy ideas back then. And thankfully, they had another book that they could base this on, which is different from you know, Jurassic World's coming out. They're not basing that off of a book. Can but, we talk about the book, The Lost World? Have you read that one, too? Yes. I haven't read that one either, but uh, how does it differ from the movie? You know, it's really hard because I don't remember that much about the book because, uh, honestly, nothing happens for the first 200 pages. (laughs) And I just started skipping through a lot of it. Like, it's crazy, man. And I love Michael Crichton, but it's just they're getting ready to go back. You know what I mean? Like, they're trying to get the team together and the equipment and all this stuff. And it's somewhat similar to the to the the basic plot of the movie. They're going to go and observe and just kind of check things out and blah blah blah. Well, shoot me in the face, man! I, how boring is that? You know what I mean? It's just not a good book. I, I didn't like it. it. It's really just drab and you know nothing happens the first two hundred pages. It's it's not good. Now, are the characters kind of the same that go with uh, Malcolm? No, they change that all up for the movie. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember, honestly. I don't even remember if they had the same names or not. I mean, who cares? It's a shame. Like, you would expect naturally, at least back then, uh, that the sequel would just be the same characters again. And, you know, they they tried to switch it up. They got Goldblum back, which is, thankfully, they got him back because he's the saving grace of the film. Um, He is, man. That's exactly what I was going to say. He's really the best part about it. But they're the supporting characters... It's rough. I mean, they're great actors are involved, and the archetypes, though, are the problem. It's uh, Julianne Moore is Dr. Sarah Harding, the girlfriend that, for some reason, he just didn't know was gone for all this time. Stupid. Okay, everybody is a moron in this movie. They really are. The only person who isn't is Pete Postlewaite, uh, Roland Tembo, the, the game hunter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great actor. Yeah. Great actor. And he's the only one that's like, hey, things are going to go to shit. We should, like, carry yeah. guns. We should do this. We should do that. And thankfully, they don't kill him off. Spoilers, of course. You know, you guys should know by now we do spoilers here. But um, I, you know, watching that movie, it was like, all right, this guy's going to get killed, whatever. And he's smart enough not to. But here's the problem. Here's the biggest problem with the movie. Okay, and I don't hate it. I I think there's some entertaining value there for sure. I like part three more, um, 
I'm not going to say part three is great, but it's solid. It's part two. The Lost World is too complex. There's too much going on. It's like they had no idea how to get them back on the island. So they had to invent all this convoluted nonsense to get everything going the way they wanted it to be. You know what I mean? There's just too much going on. Yeah, there's definitely a lot going on in this movie. And unfortunately, some of the things that they do have going on, totally unnecessary. Like the kid. I, You know, I'm still perplexed by that. That's what my wife and I were saying. We're like, okay, look. I, obviously she's adopted okay and that's cool but why what is what purpose does she serve i mean she does a little gym te- gymnastics thing and kicks the raptor that's her entire contribution to the movie yeah that and fucking up yeah and it's like i hate characters like that in movies because it's like i know that you're here to make the plot happen like what the best part about the whole movie and of course it doesn't end this way because it couldn't but Malcolm is like as realistic as possible. He's he goes to there and he's like, "All right, we found her. Now we're gonna leave because fuck it, this place yeah. is terrible." Yeah, he gets it. And it's like, well, if you want to stay, you can stay, but I'm getting the fucking out uh, the helicopter. I'm getting out of here. I'm taking anybody who can go with me. We're leaving because these are goddamn monsters. And you know, I was here, you know, the other island the last time. They yep. fucked shit up, and I don't want to do it again. Yeah, like he says to the guy, you know, it's like, oh, this is how it starts. You look at it and it's like, oh, my God, it's wonderful. And then there's screaming and then there's running and there's, you know, and, and you're you're as the audience watching this movie, you're screaming at them. And when things start to go wrong, like in the truck, when it's falling off the cliff I'm like, and Juliana Moore falls and hits the, the thing. I'm like, yeah, that's what you get, dumbass. Like he told you. Right. You deserve this. I'm sorry. I just have no sympathy for stupid people like that. And they bring the baby T-Rex, and it's like, get it the what fuck you, away from here. Like, <laughs> It's so dumb. Like, what the fuck was Spielberg thinking? I don't know. It really doesn't feel like Spielberg to me. It doesn't feel like a movie at all. I know. That's another thing we are talking about. It just doesn't have the panache to it. It doesn't have the style. There's no, like, amazing shots of anything. You would think that, you know, a T-Rex running around San Diego would be, like, mind-blowing. And instead, it just looks like fake and kind of you know lame the whole movie is like at night yeah it's true a lot of it is all dark and grimy and that's it just doesn't work i mean even the music is like so much more generic yeah there's no punch to it like um and i mean like the thing with the kid it's like okay well the kids in the first movie, I'm usually kids in movies tend to be bothersome, but the kids in Jurassic Park one, you know, they're perfectly fine. The kid in this one, it's, you know, well, you're not going to my gymnastics thing. Oh, boo hoo. We're going we're gonna to do this story again of the, the dad that's neglectful. Then, uh, the gymnastics thing. Yeah. She's the only person that kills a freaking dinosaur. Yeah. And it's like, she's the only person that shouldn't be able to kill a dinosaur. If anybody's going to, Maybe the dinosaur expert, or maybe the hunter. That no, was it's the little kid at the gymnastics thing. That was a setup for a joke because right. as soon as it ended. He looked at her and said, "They kicked you off the team." That's all it was. It was right. a setup. And it's like, yeah, they did. Now, can we leave, Dad? <laughs> yeah, I just people. I I just don't get it, man. It's a shame because 
you know, you take a movie like Jurassic Park and you do a sequel, it could be amazing. And it's it's fine for a kid to watch a generic like monster movie, but it just isn't great. Yeah. I actually I think it, rewatching this, I had to stop and I rewatched the, the other half the next day. I'm like that's that's pretty rough. So slow. It's slow and boring and it's uninspired. I think that would be the best way to describe it. That's a that's a good word to describe it because it it very much is like a cash grab. It's just flat. The whole thing is just flat and blah. And yeah, I like I like part three so much more. You'd look at like the villainous characters in the first movie. Like John Hammond, to an extent, is a villain in the movie. Sure. And in this movie, they've got Arliss Howard, and he's just like he must might as well be having the handlebar mustache and um, guy asses, you know? yeah, Gen executive. Yeah, where it's like you know this suit costs more than your education and whatever. Okay, I get it. I'm supposed to think he's a douche. I do. Can he die yet? Like, I don't more. please beat me over the head about right. it. It's so frustrating. Um, it's it's a pain. Like it, it's it should be so much better. But there's one part that I really really like, and it's the only really thing, uh, really good thing that I can give them credit for, and that's the scene in the field with the raptors. That is really cool. That's a great shot. The the one shot of like you could see the the path coming from the raptors toward, toward the people. That alone is like, all right, cool. The grass apart. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but then they fuck it up and they've got like, they kill a dog. You need to kill a dog. Yeah. <laughs> I know. do like T-Rex running around San Diego. I thought that's pretty cool. Um, you know that, um, yeah, they kill another dog because the T-Rex has the, uh, the doghouse hanging out of its mouth by the chain. Yeah, no, I don't. I never like it when they kill a dog in anything. Like they could have eaten the little girl; I would have been fine. You know, dog Tony, come on! It's just a movie. I know, but it's like, uh, it's the the whole kick the dog moment thing. You know, it's like, oh, the dog should have ran away. <laughs> you know, chain, dude. Blame the owners. Yeah, they should have died because they chained up a dog in the backyard. You know. Well, maybe they did. They cut from that scene. Maybe the T Rex ate them. Good. We don't. I hope so. <laughs> wreck their house too screw it but not a big fan of it um there anything else that stands out to you good or bad no i mean it, there's a lot of stereotypical characters you know and they they there's so much going on that they didn't quite flush out some of the ideas they had you know vince vaughn is this greenpeace guy and he's you know, anti-hunter guy, and they have that little argument, and it just goes nowhere. It's like never mentioned again. There's no, you know, what was the point of that? It's like they tried. They tried to have these little character moments, and then they just do nothing with them, you know? Yeah, there's not really much that they can build from with the foundation, but when they've got, you know, little elements like that, it should go somewhere. Like, yeah, I have a point. The only thing that they do actually capitalize on, and it's like, it's cheap. Like, if they wouldn't have, you would have been like, "Oh my god, you can't even do this." Is the um, the second in command guy? I think his name's Dieter. He pisses off the little tiny dinosaurs by shocking them, and then they come back and they kill him. So it's like, good, you know, he was a dick. Yeah, <laughs> he was. Apparently that's I mean, how Hammond I, dies in the book of the first movie, right? What's the that? Master, 
Isn't that how Hammond dies in the book for the first Jurassic Park? He gets eaten by the little ones? I can't remember. I think I read something about that. It might be a different character, though. I think it was Hammond. So they, you know, they bring that back, and that's fine and stuff, but it's just a pain. Oh, you know what? Actually, there is one other thing I can credit them for that I liked, and that was um, the cameo of Tim and Lex. Yes. Yeah, they came back right there at the beginning. They just happened to be there hanging out with their grandpa when Jeff Goldblum came over. Yeah. Yes. But, yeah, it's nice to see them. You know what else is really fantastical? The little girl in the beginning of the movie, she gets attacked by those little uh, dinosaurs, and they're like, oh, she's fine. And then they kill Dieter. Like, they eat somebody, you know, three times her size. The little girl's okay, though. Like, why not kill the little girl at the beginning of it? Like, that would have made it even more of a reason to go. Yeah. It's just a shame. And, uh, it's rough to get through. The, the reason why I went to go see it in theaters not only was because of the first Jurassic Park being awesome, but I remember specifically um, walking around a strip mall around my area and I stumbled across a couple movie tickets that were just on the street. And, you know, I'm a little kid, so I'm, you know, I pick up rocks and crap like that because little kids do that. And I'm like, oh, look at this. There are movie tickets for Jurassic Park. And I was with my mom and my sister at the time and they're like, you know, just put that down. Like, it's just, you know, dirty movie ticket, whatever. And I'm like, no, I think it's a real ticket. And we're like, oh, crap. Like, there's two movie tickets for Jurassic Park that they're going to get started in about 20 minutes. You want to go see the movie? And we're like, yeah, shit. So we just bought another ticket. And, you know, for the price of one movie ticket, we're able to go. Um, so I can't complain and be like, oh, we wasted all this money on the movie. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. But you got- I remember that more than anything else in the movie. Like that's my go-to memory for lost world, which is kind of a shame because you should be thinking of the same thing as like the first Jurassic park movie where I'm like, Oh man, I remember seeing that in the theaters and I remember buying the toy afterward and all that other kind of stuff. And it's not that memorable. No. So zero to 10, what would you give lost world? Oh man, maybe like a four and a half. Four and a half, five. It's not the worst thing in the world, but it's disappointing. Yeah, I think I'm going with a five too. It's it's fine if it's a type of movie that you want to just pop in and watch, but you can't go into it expecting it to be great, especially not anything like Jurassic Park one. Few films are. It's true. So we have another movie to talk about here, Dinosaur. We might actually go ahead and do another one. We might just do uh, Jurassic Park 3 and throw that extra for you guys. But stay tuned. Click on the next video. We will be right back with Dinosaur, the fourth film of Four Real Movie Club. Alrighty, guys, before we get into the next thing, we are going to have to switch things up a little bit. And uh, Sam Lassio is going to be joining us. What's up, Sam? Hey, everybody. How you doing? But unfortunately, we got to say goodbye to Will. Uh, he's not going to be joining us for this uh, next part. So, Will, anything that you want to plug? Uh, yeah, feel free to follow me on Twitter, uh, Will Molinar seventy five, and uh, you can check out my novel series Murder Haven on Amazon. Thank you. Alrighty, guys, go check that stuff out. Thanks for joining us, Will. Rock on, Jurassic World, baby! It's coming. Woo. So continuing on here, what we're going to do to switch this up a little bit and to kind of make up for, as I said before, how haphazard and crazy this edition is, we're going to talk about Dinosaur, but since Sam didn't get a chance to talk about Land Before Time, 
Uh, we're going to talk about that here, and we're actually going to throw you with an extra bone with uh, Jurassic Park 3. And when we do that, then we're going to kind of backtrack a little bit, get his opinions about Jurassic Park 1 and 2. Uh, the reason why we're going to combine Dinosaur and Land Before Time is uh, Dinosaur is a... Well, let's get this out of the way. Dinosaur is uh, made in 2000. It's a Disney film. Uh, one of the things that we were talking about in the previous thing is that Land Before Time felt like a Disney film. And that the animation and stuff from 1988 doesn't really hold up as much. But there's also a nostalgia factor. Now, Dinosaur, of course, we weren't little kids. And the CGI is a lot different. It's a lot better. Um, not as good as it would be now. But, of course, you know, that's a big gap. 12 years. Yeah. It's still damn near the same movie. And it's crazy. I watched... Uh, I've seen Jurassic Park you know, a million times and stuff. I watched Jurassic Park 2 a bunch of times too. And uh, the only two movies out of this list that I hadn't seen were Dinosaur and The Land Before Time. And I decided to watch one right after the other randomly, you know, when preparing for this. I watched Dinosaur first. Um, went through the whole movie. I'll spoil it right now. I'm not a big fan. You know, it's kind of bland. Then I watched Land Before Time immediately afterward, and I was just like, I'm watching the exact same film, except with, you know, worse uh, animation. <laughs> it's the Land Before Time starts off with destruction of the dinosaurs. And, you know, you would think that that would be the end, but it isn't because the dinosaurs have to go and escape the uh, elements and escape the giant T-Rex and whatever and they need to find salvation. Dinosaur starts off with the uh, birth of the titular dinosaur. Um, Aladar is his name. And the parents get killed. And the whole like herd gets broken up and stuff and it's like, alright, well what happens to Land Before Time? Shit gets fucked up and the parents get killed and stuff and land before time has you know the the meteors and stuff and stuff dinosaur waits a little bit to get into it but aladar gets adopted by a group of monkeys and they grow up and then bam the meteor hits so both movies start off with a whole bunch of death and then a meteor fucks everything up and then they have to go find salvation and it's it's ridiculous, the parallels. Um, when it comes to Land Before Time, they've got... Uh, what was the name of the, the T-Rex in that? In what? Uh, Land, Land, Land Before, Before Time? Time. Yeah, Sharptooth. Sharptooth, yeah. Yep. Um, in Dinosaur, they've got the Carnotaur. And there's a couple Carnotaurs, yeah. But essentially, the Carnotaur is just big That's monster T-Rex. What was he called? Like Crone, Cron? No, that's a different one. That's the uh, the brother of the female, whatever Aladar is. Um, oh wow, wow! What was the like? Did they name it? I don't. Maybe they didn't. They were just called think, Carnotaurs. I think that they just say that they're the Carnotaurs. Uh, okay. Oddly enough, Frank Welker in both movies. Um, Frank Welker does Spike in Land Before Time, and he does the the Carnotaurs. And a Velociraptor and a couple other ones in this one. You know who didn't do any voices from the original movie? Who? The little girl who did Ducky. 
Wait. Oh, uh, did you guys not talk about that? No, I don't know what. Wait, the what little, happened? the little. Okay, remember Ducky in Land Before Time? She was like, "Yep, yep, yep." Yeah. That little girl was murdered by her father. Wow. Yeah, she she didn't do the voice for Ducky for any of the sequels that came out. She was murdered. That sucks. And I'm pretty sure, like on her tombstone, it says, "Yep, yep, yep." Well, that's kind of fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Little girl died. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, oddly enough, though, Land Before Time, when we were going through that, I was like, I don't recognize any of these names. For Dinosaur, I don't recognize pretty much any of them, except for Frank Welker, the same in the first thing. Um, Hidden Panettiere is in it. She's uh, Aladar. Probably something small. She's the, one of the little monkey things. Oh, the little lemurs. Yeah. Lemurs, that's what they were, yeah. Little monkey guys, lemurs. Um, and Juliana Margulies is um, the female love interest. But mm. I don't, you know, off the top of my head, I don't recognize the name D.B. Sweeney. I don't recognize Alfred Woodard, Ossie Davis. Ossie Davis sounds familiar, but um, the voice acting in this is weird. It's like, what's so odd is uh, there are characters in this that sound so, like, racist black, uh, like like an impression of it and are you talking like the uh the lemur characters not only the lemurs but a couple of the other characters too the older brontosaurus i think she is uh, brachiosaurus Brachiosaurus. yeah she does thing as a brontosaurus (laughs) but there's another older one uh ema and she's just kind of like oh child and shit and it's like (laughs) oh man like She's played by Della Reese, which is a black woman. Which, yeah, it makes sense, but it's like, then the lemurs sound like it too. Like, uh, the main, um, the father lemur, uh, Ossie Davis, he is just kind of like stereotypical, like New Orleans kind of a thing and stuff like that. And, uh, I'm expecting them through the movie to be like, mm hmm, sugar and stuff. And, like, right. it really throws me off. Um, but it's, it's, it's an odd movie. Like that's not the only thing that stood out to me as being weird. Like, uh, I mentioned before the, the repetitious kind of land before time stuff, very bland, you know, the same kind of movie and stuff like that. Um, very, very repetitive. It's just, mm-hmm. we've got to make it to salvation. Oh no. One of the older ones is straggling behind. Wait, Oh, well, now that's not the older ones. It's a little one. Wait. Ah, fuck, a carnotaur. Like, <laughs> See, I always thought... See, you had said that we weren't little kids when Dinosaur came out. I, I was kind of... I wasn't little, but I was getting there. Because, like, the movie came out when I was 10. So, fair enough, I was a 10-year-old. Yeah. I, I was a kid. But I remember even when the movie was, like, brand new and it was, like, showing trailers and stuff for it, I had no interest in this movie. Not at all. And I loved Land Before Time as a kid. But I will agree, watching it again, it's like, why did I love it? It's like, the only I only know that I loved it because I'm like, oh, I remember that when I was a kid. I love that. And that's about it. Like, it's not like the story was fantastic or it was like a timeless tale of family or something like that. It was just like, ah, yeah, I love them tree stars. <laughs> Oh, it's funny. That's the one. The only things I said positive about Land Before Time was Tree Star. Yeah, and the fact that he had like a Native American name. Like I'd, I'd expect like some Cherokee Indian on a reservation being called Littlefoot. 
Did you agree that Sarah is a bitch? Oh God, yes. Like how she? You know what? But she's the perfect example of a child that hates their parent, but is exactly like them. And no matter what they do to try to be better than their parent, they just turn into their parent. You know what I mean? Like, mm. kids who grow up in broken homes who are, like, beat as children, so then they bully people. But then, like, they hate their parents, but then they become their parents when they're older. I feel like Sarah is going to be, like, that just bitch mother who, like, never lets her kids do anything, even though that's exactly what her father does now. Yeah, she followed in their footsteps, too. Uh, they became fossils. So did she. <laughs> <laughs> But at least Nira in Dinosaur, I guess Sarah is a love interest for Littlefoot, right? Kind of? Yeah. At the very least, she's like the, yeah. the yeah, they, female they, character. They do have, like, I know in the sequels, like, they hint that, like, maybe they like each other, but, like, they, it never, like, becomes anything. Because they're not supposed to be, like, teenagers. They're supposed to be kids, so it's not like they're going to, like, fucking make out or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> Plus, uh,. Trikes can't be with uh, long necks and whatever. They're very, very racially charged. Very much so. It's a odd that that's the racially charged thing, and then there's the racist characters in Dinosaur. But at least Nera or Nira in this uh, dinosaur film, she is a much better love interest because she seems like a not a pain in the ass. But, right. Um, it's weird. It's like you watch the same exact movie, and then it's like the beginning of this. Uh, or was it the beginning? I think it was the beginning. There's um, music that sounds like it's The Lion King. It's just like... Yeah. And I, I heard that, like, the settings were actually real, but, like, then everything else was CGI. So, like, when they're in a desert or, like, a forest or something that's actually real. Huh. I don't know. I, I mean, didn't, it's, I didn't so, look too it, much into the CGI because, unlike Jurassic Park, where I was like, I want to know even more than I ever knew. This one was like, I I watched it; it's done. Like you know, right? But I am kind of curious what the lyrics are for the third Lion King ripoff because it's just like, <laughs> you know, you, everybody knows the Lion King theme, and if you play those back to back, it's like you watched the Lion King and said, "We need Lion King music in here." Okay, well, we're not going to do the actual effort into like translating African languages and stuff. Just start singing stuff and Right. Black Panther, something like, you know. <laughs> like really annoying and you know, it's a shame that that happens around one of my least favorite parts of the movie too, which is uh the mating scene that happens in there. They did this whole thing, this whole subplot that goes nowhere about Wait. The, the lemurs. And they are, have like a big, uh, like a mating ritual, and the one who's kind of like a surrogate brother to Aladar is like a dork, and he doesn't get picked. And then it's like, all right, well, there's no payoff, and then until the very, very end, where it's just like, hey, we found some other lemurs, I'm gonna go get laid. <laughs> really annoying, but that leads into my favorite part of the movie, which is probably the part that a lot of people, especially kids didn't like at all, which is the meteor shower. Was it like, see, the problem is when I saw the movie, like not, not the film itself. I, yes. Well, I didn't actually see this movie. I just like Wikipedia the fucking thing. Cause I remember like, I remember it as a kid and I remember having like some of the toys that would be like, in like fast food things. 
like I, I had one of the uh the main di- like the bad dinosaur like a hand puppet kind of thing. Yeah. Like I remember as a kid, I thought based on the trailers and the TV spots, I thought the movie was about a dinosaur with lemur friends surviving the extinction of the dinosaurs. And it apparently had nothing to do with that. It's it is and it isn't. It's like like I thought this was like the meteor strike, like the asteroid. Like apparently it was just a meteor shower. It's like that happens, and then that's what it's same thing as uh, Land Before Time. That happens, and then that's what spawns them to go. Well, we need to find a new area because ours is fucked. Did they really just like not? Did they not watch The Land Before Time when they made this? Or did they watch it and just go, eh, I could do that better? I think that's what they did. Mm. Like, it comes off as, we need to make Land Before Time. But, I like lemurs. (laughs) So, it's just... The lemurs have these really creepy looking eyes. They do. It's not a good movie. And I said before, I don't like Land Before Time either. So, I gave this, like, I don't know, like a 4 out of 10. Like, I liked it better than Land Before Time to be able to sit and watch it. But that was mostly because it was easier to watch because of the advancements in CGI and stuff. Yeah, it kind of looks like the Carnotaurs are probably the best part of the movie. They are. Because they look badass. And, like, Aladar is better than Littlefoot because Littlefoot's, like, childish and annoying. I feel like it's just Littlefoot grown up. Yeah, it seems like it. Like, more mature, and that's it. So Instead of straight dinosaurs, here's some mammals thrown in there. Mm -hmm. And let's make a brachiosaurus, an old woman that, like, if they were going to do, like, a live-action version of this or something, she'd be played by, like, Helen Mirren or something. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like also they were like, all right, we're going to do this movie. And it's really overplayed with a T-Rex, but we want a T-Rex. Is there a T-Rex that has, like, badass horns? Why, actually, yes. And they're like, all right, put that one in there. Sweet. Okay, well, we need to have them kill a character, so let's create Bruton so he can die. (laughs) That'll really show them that these guys mean business. Yeah, because they're killing a guy named Brute. Like, yeah, they fucked up the tough guy. Just not now, a gay film. In Land Before Time, they never actually... De- like, they're able to get away and, like, seemingly defeat him, but they never really beat Sharptooth. He always comes back in some way. Like, do they actually beat the Carnotaurs? It gets knocked off a cliff. Alright, that's beating it. So. Sharp tooth, it's like, hey, it looks like he fell off a cliff, or like, hey, he fell into like a hole into a cave, and like we can escape. But it's like, even though when they show he's supposed to be dead, like in later ones, maybe it's a different sharp tooth because there's more than just one Tyrannosaurus Rex in the world. Mm-hmm. But it always just seems like, oh, uh, uh, look, T Rex. <laughs> well, it's like the Disney death thing, like yeah. Villains die from falls all the time. It's ridiculous. Uh, Hans Zimmer. Oh, why did I say Hans Zimmer? Fuck Hans Gruber. <laughs> yeah, Hans Zimmer's going to die from a fall. <laughs> Probably. He's getting up there in age. You've heard it here first, everybody. If Hans Zimmer, you know, uh, falls down a crevice or something like that. Uh, spoiler. 
Yeah. I mean, he's what in his late fifties by now. I mean, he he could like fall. Be like one of those like life alert commercials. <laughs> so yeah, not a big fan of it, but I liked it better than Land Before Time. But again, that's not saying too much because I don't have that nostalgia factor. Yeah, and I have the nostalgia factor, and technically didn't watch Dinosaurs, so I automatically like Land Before Time better. Yeah. So we're gonna give you guys a little extra here. We're gonna throw Jurassic Park three into the mix. We watched them. Why not? Right. So instead of doing a four real movie club, this has now been bumped up to a five real movie club. The pun doesn't make any more sense anymore. Uh, <laughs> uh, we are going to continue on here with the fifth part of the four real movie club, Jurassic Park three in the next part. As I mentioned before, YouTube, you click on the next video, iTunes and Stitcher. All you got to do is sit back, relax, and we will be right back. Welcome to the special bonus part of the four real movie club for May. We're doing dinosaur films. So, we're going to, of course, tackle the Jurassic Park films. And it's a little weird if you do Jurassic Park 1 and 2. You don't do Jurassic Park 3. So, bonus. Yay. Unfortunately, it's Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> That's the downside to it. Um, Will had mentioned before he likes Jurassic Park 3 but better than Jurassic Park 2. And in some ways I do. In some ways I don't. In uh, the grand scheme of things, they both suck in my mind. Because Jurassic Park 1 is just leaps and bounds better in every possible way. Um, but there's some good parts. There's some bad parts. Uh, Sam, what's the first thing you think of when you think of Jurassic Park 3? That I still want to shoot Mrs. Kirby. <laughs> She's hot, god, though. That, uh, oh, God, she was annoying. Oh, God, she was annoying. Like, every time Grant would tell her to do something you knew she was going to do the exact opposite of what he told her to do. It's, it's almost like he should have just been like, all right, Mrs. Kirby, run! Because then she would have just fucking stood there. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, there is that annoying part at the begin- towards the beginning of the movie, not exact. Oh, where, where, like, they find the dead dinosaur and the T-Rex looks up, and he's like, no one make a move. And then they just start running. And he's like, well, I guess I got to run with them, or else I'm going to be like, And then, oh, and then it's like, okay, we got the T-Rex back, guys. T-Rex again. So let's have the Spinosaur kill it. Because now we're going to see just how badass this dinosaur is. Eh? Yeah, eh? Let's, let's prove that he's better than the T-Rex by having him kill a T-Rex. Right. And it's like, is it Spinosaur? Is that a real dinosaur? It is a real dinosaur. Okay, because it sounds fake as hell. It, it's because it has that sail on its back. Spinosaurus. I, I can't. Why don't you call it like the Metasaurus or something like? I, I can't attest that it is like more powerful than a T Rex, but I yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of things that are annoying about this movie, and um, you mentioned uh, Taylor's character, how she, yeah, he flat out tells her you shouldn't be yelling, and she's like, what? <laughs> it played played for laughs, but at the same time you're dead if you do it. So don't do yeah. it. And oh, I just, I just looked into it. Uh, Spinosaurus is real, but it looks like they took a lot of fucking liberties with like what it looked like. <laughs> it's actually a flying, swimming goat. Well, like <laughs> from what I'm seeing, it says like they've actually re- here we go. Spinosaurus appeared in the 2001 film Jurassic Park 3, replacing Tyrannosaurus as the main antagonist. 
The film's consulting paleontologist was quoted as saying, if we base the ferocious factor on the length of the animal, there was nothing that ever lived on this planet that could match this creature. Also, my hypothesis is that T-Rex was actually a scavenger rather than a killer. Spinosaurus was really the predatory animal. But then, like, the way it's built, like, it's portrayed as larger and more powerful. And it, like, breaks the T-Rex's neck. But, like, it has, like, its bones, at least. It's got, like, really tiny legs. And it's just a long animal with, like, shorter hands and stuff. Like, it almost just looks like it was meant for swimming. Like, the creature would not have been like it was in the... Like, okay, it's Jurassic Park. It's a movie. We we can all calm down for a second that, oh, but this isn't like the animal was supposed to be. But this is actually taking, like, a movie that tried really hard to be, like, scientific and then just throwing that out the window completely. I mean, you had the Spinosaurus, which was nothing like a real Spinosaurus would have been, period, at all. And then you have Velociraptors that are way smarter than they ever would have been. That and stupid then, scene with the formaldehyde. Oh, God. And that, that too, I mean, she, they got the head there and she's just staring at it. And then it's like, I'm not going to blink until boo. like Right. And then it pops out from behind. And... I, I know it was a dream. I know it was a dream. But when Grant is on the plane <laughs> and he looks over and sees the fucking raptor, Alan. Alan. God damn it. Why? You can call me Ross for Velociraptor. <laughs> Just a stupid idea. It's like you compare the scene of Grant in a helicopter imagining a goddamn velociraptor talking to him to the first film which during that part i mean i I mentioned it and if you haven't clicked on that part i don't know why but click on that part and listen to it brilliant scene um two female ends find a way dr grant takes the two female ends of his seatbelt, ties it together it's like that's symbolism it works it's logical Jurassic Park 3's got a goddamn talking Velociraptor. <laughs> right. Okay. Like, <laughs> and you know what? They they had the opportunity. It would have been a better movie, I think. Yeah, they could, like, you, you, you could have made it work. But again, why go back to Isla Sorna? Why did they just abandon Isla Nublar? I guess because they wanted to make it so... Like, there's more dinosaurs in Sorna. Yeah, but like, and like they're more wild, so they could do crazy shit. Like they had the uh, the raptors had their their eggs, and um, isn't there something that somebody said like? Um, I mean, that basically happened on Isla Nublar. Like when the park actually shut down, all the animals went wild, and they kind of nested. That's true. So like, I think that's actually what like the premise of Jurassic World is. Like, the park, Jurassic World, is built, I think... It should be on Nublar. No, it's on Nublar. But it's not where Jurassic... It's not like they just knocked down Jurassic Park and then built Jurassic World on top of it. I think World is on another section of the island. That makes sense. Because there are scenes that I've seen, like, still images from the movie, 
Where remember like the scene where uh, the two kids are eating in that little area? Yeah. And like they freak because the velociraptors found them. There's the one. There's like a painting on the wall, and there's like a picture of a velociraptor there. Remember, and then you see the shadow of it behind it. Vaguely, I haven't watched the trailer in a while. Yeah, it's one of the kids in Jurassic World, and he's at that mural. So he found the Jurassic Park Welcome Center, which tells me when they try to escape Jurassic World, and they're running from the creatures they end up finding Jurassic Park. That makes sense. Which I think that's going to be really cool. But yeah, like in this one, you know, Jurassic Park 3, they've got a goddamn tourist attraction of which never should have been there because they said site B wasn't supposed to be another park. It was just where they grew the dinosaurs. At least that's what they said in Lost World. Yeah. And then they moved them to the park. There shouldn't have been features and like stuff like that. At... There shouldn't have been the uh what do they call them the vending machines uh, vending machines would have been like for the workers i would have thought yeah but like the vending the workers should be getting paid salary you know <laughs> they shouldn't have uh, to pay for the vending machines and shit like <laughs> give, them a, give them a goddamn candy bar yeah go to the cafeteria like everybody else uh shout out to cinema sins for pointing this out and i didn't notice this um but in jurassic park 2 they prominently feature crackle bars like there's a whole scene where yeah. they try to hide it and stuff. In Jurassic Park three, the kids eating Nestle Crunch, huh. and it's like, wow, you really like these uh, these type of candy bars, don't you? Um, <laughs> we talked about the first Jurassic Park movie has the kids are good, like they make sense. The relationship with Alan Grant and the kids are great, you know, perfect. Yeah. Second movie, you've got Jeff Goldblum's randomly annoying adopted daughter with her gymnastics competition and that kind Wait, of Wait, I, I thought she was his blood daughter. Or was she? Or was she an adopted one? No, she was a blood daughter. That's right. Yeah, because... then that's, they, they throw that joke out there and they go, you see any resemblance? Or like... Right. Yeah. Um, and she's annoying as hell. And then in this movie, they're like, you know what would be cool if one of the kids can do this kind of shit? You know, he's one of those, like, hip kids. Well, like, they made him, like, a survivor. Right. So, like, he knew... Almost probably as much as Grant did. Yeah, he lives for eight weeks on the island, and he gets T-Rex urine. Oh, how'd you get this? You don't want to know. Yeah, I do, because you're a fucking eight-year-old. Right, because like, that means you crept beneath a T-Rex and let it piss on you to collect it. Yeah, and why didn't it kill you? Right, how did you sneak up on it and then sneak away? Because the adopted dad, the stepdad or whatever he is, he gets killed just with the parachute attached to him. He's that skull. Yeah, he like basically dies on impact. Yet the kid gets out of it. He's fine for eight weeks. Well, oh well, no. He says he says go get help, and then he kind of just starves to death. I guess. Which that's a really fuck. That's a way to go. And, and like, how how is he bones after eight weeks? <laughs> like he's just pure bone. Well, I guess they picked him apart. But eh, then, then the just, would have been it's a weird movie. I mean, the Kirby's um, are a group of people that their kid gets lost. So they decide to hire Alan Grant to go and like pretend to be rich. And he's like, nothing can get me on the island. And they're like, we've got money. And he's like, all right. Like, shit, dude. Like, uh, if you want to fund my research, because apparently I can't get any funding 
even though I'm one of the few people to actually have seen a goddamn dinosaur. And I worked with the rich John Hammond, who said he would fund my shit. Right, who he still exists in that universe. He should still be alive. He didn't die in Jurassic, in a Lost World, right? I don't think they ever mentioned him dying. I know the actor recently died. Yeah. But I've heard, at least from trailers for Jurassic World, that like his voice says, Welcome to Jurassic World. So they may have gotten the actor to do some stuff. So he should still be alive and kicking in Jurassic Park 3. And I doubt he, like... I know they, they made it a big deal in Lost World that, like, he lost the company. Right. But he's still, like... He should still have money, like maybe not a billionaire, but he should still have enough money that he's fine. It's really nuts. Like they really just—it's another cash grab. Like let's do yeah. another Jurassic Park film, and you know, there's not really anything memorable about it. Like it's cool that they have the pterosaurs because they didn't really do anything with pterodactyls or anything in the first two. Right. And having a big bird cage doesn't make much sense, but it's kind of cool. Um, yeah, well, the birdcage—that—that's the analogy of like there shouldn't have been anything on that park because yeah. the birdcage—you don't need a birdcage for pterosaurs. The only reason you make that a birdcage is because it looks nice. It looks cool and funny that like people visiting would be like, "Oh, look, it's a birdcage," and there's like flying dinosaurs. The actual scientists and workers on the island shouldn't have given two shits, and that would not have been an actual birdcage. It's really, like, a stretch to get any, like, positive stuff out of the movie. Same thing with the second one. Yeah. At most, it's like, well, it's kind of good that they had, like, that that 3D printer thing with the trachea or whatever it was. That That was kind of cool. You know, like, that's kind of cool. And, like, the Taurosaur thing's kind of cool a little bit. But they should have killed Billy. Like, he's fine afterward. So it's like, well, they're not really much of a threat. And it's kind of ridiculous remember, that yeah. like, he calls up um, Ellie and it's like, well, she got the Navy and the Army and the military, the Marines and the fucking Air Force and whatever. And it's like, but like she's married like with a kid and it's not with him. But like they, they set that up in the first one, like they're, they're practically engaged. Right. So what, like surviving a terrible event drove them apart? Yeah, it's disappointing that that kid's not theirs. Right. Because he just calls him the dinosaur man. Yeah. Like, not even, like, mommy's friend, Alan. It's dinosaur man. Now, if somebody had pitched you after Jurassic Park 2 Mm -hmm. and said, what should we do for Jurassic Park 3, what would you have done? How would I have done it? Yeah. Not, like, like... directing and stuff, because that's different, but, like, what, what would the story be? I know I wouldn't go with the whole fake rich couple lost their kid. No, no, no. Yeah. Honestly, I probably would have done Jurassic World as Jurassic Park 3. That's probably what I would have done too. Maybe not call it Jurassic World. I probably would have just called it Jurassic Park. But I probably would have said like the park is open. I probably would have gone with something like Jurassic Park Returns. I don't know about returns. That seems real. Like I know, like these movies are based from the '90s, and like mm-hmm. three is the only one that took place in the 2000s. 
but that just seems really like 80s 90s like that's that's probably why i would have gone with it you know because then it's like the park returns and whatever and hey guys remember jurassic park being great that's returning like back in 2001 when they were making this i would have done that but yeah i probably would have still called it jurassic park 3 and i can't even say i wouldn't have made the three the claw marks no that was like yeah i don't know that I did, you know what, I like the poster for Jurassic Park 3 that had the shadow of the pterosaur on it. See, I don't like that. Really? The shadow is kind of, like, unnecessary, I think. It kind of shows you there's going to be, like, new things here. But, It's just... I I like, um, one of the things I liked, though, about the uh, Spinosaur was that fucking, like, was it a cell phone? Because it was like 2001, so I thought it was more like a radio phone. Yeah, satellite phone. Yeah, satellite phone. And like, you just hear that stupid ringtone, and then like, you hear it, and he's like, "Where is he? Where is he?" And then you see the just dinosaur walking towards you. It's like, oh god. Like that's just like a, it it might seem silly on film, but if that was you, and you're like, oh my god, the satellite phone. So like. He's right here, like, where is he? And you just all of a sudden look and you hear it and you just see the dinosaur. You're like, alright, well, I may as well just sit here because I can't run, like, I'm dead. To be fair, though, if this was real and I was in this situation, I'd be dead in a minute. Oh, God, Like, not only does that kind of, the whole suspension of disbelief thing not happen anymore, I am not a survivor. (laughs) Right. I would not be the type of person like this little kid that's like, you know, I figured out a way to get T-Rex piss and it, you know, makes the Velociraptors go away. I would be like, nope, I'm dead. I'm yeah. just going to die in like 20 minutes because I'll make a mistake. I'll, I probably wouldn't even die from the dinosaurs. I'd be die from the goddamn like Starvation. Like, yeah, you wouldn't be able to like survive eating them. I would be stupid enough that I would like trip and fall and break my leg and get an infection and die. Like, <laughs> and or like survive for wrong, weeks. Eat the wrong seventy million year old berry. Yeah, and immediately kill over, and you know. So it's it's hard to believe that a kid could do that. It's hard to believe that the Kirby parents would ever let your kid do that kind of shit. Like, really, just you know, it stretches. And when I first I. I Threw a little reference out there. When I had seen The Lost World, I saw it in theaters because we found movie tickets. For Jurassic Park 3, things went even weirder. First time I saw this movie, I watched a bootleg. And uh, for those who don't know, I live in like the Philly area. And, you know, you can get stuff from Philly because Philly's a, you know, trash hole. But, um,. <laughs> There's a lot of like flea markety kind of things around that like Sam's in the same area, so he knows exactly what I'm talking about. And try to explain it to you guys, like yeah. not around our area, but close enough that a lot of people from Philly go to them. And uh, I went to one of them, and you know, I saw a bunch of bootlegs, and I was just like, "Oh, Jurassic Park three, I think I'll pick that up." It was like two bucks for VHS. Turned out to be a black and white copy with some kind of Asian subtitles. I don't know what Japanese, Chinese, whatever. 
And at one point in the movie, uh, a little error screen popped up because it was like recorded from a computer <laughs> and they had to click like an okay button. And I'm like, this is terrible. Wow. So, you know, watching the film, I didn't get to see like any good CGI cause it's all black and white and grainy and shit. And the movie, like the, it's the plot and stuff sucked. And I was just like, this is the worst movie that they could have ever made. Eventually I rewatched it and I was like, all right, it's not as bad, but it still sucks. Right. Like, um, what would you say stands out as like your favorite and your least favorite part? I, I think I'm going to have to give it for my favorite part to, um, either the satellite phone in the stomach. Cause like my, my, like my, my stomach would drop at that moment. I liked that. Or when they're on the uh the plane and they're like going to leave and then the fucking thing just like rams in like straight through and like eats the guy and then they crash it again. That was kinda cool. My least favorite part I'm gonna have to give it to those velociraptors in the uh, containers. Like this woman's walking through. This is a wild animal from millions of years ago. And you're going to try to tell me that it could stand there knowing it knew what she was doing and decided to hide right there to make her think it was one of the props like not props but like one of the visuals and then she looked at it carefully and then it moved and then came and tried to get it there's nothing you could do even suspension of disbelief that would make me think that that would ever truly really happen unless this dinosaur was like part human or something and even then, like, I know people that are, like, not smart enough to do that. <laughs> right. The, the only thing that I'll give it is, like, when they trapped it in that little cage thing, and it starts calling out for help, and Grant's like, oh, fuck. Like, that's kind of cool. I, I, I'll give them that one. I also won't give it, like, these are the same creatures that were hunting down the children in the first one. And, like, we're in the tall grass in the second one killing the people. But it's like, okay, these people just stole our eggs. We are going to slaughter them and rip their throats out. Oh, wait. Oh, they gave them back? All right, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) No! No, no way! These things would have just destroyed them. Like, oh, God. Oh, God. They, They ruined the velociraptors for me in this movie. What like they, you get a zero to ten. As a film? Yeah. Probably give it a three. Three makes sense. It, it, it's watchable. It has rewatch ability. So five would be like eh, one way or the other, I'll give it a pass. Four to me would be like, eh, one way or the other, I, I didn't like it. Three would be, yeah, I didn't like it. And I can't exactly recommend it, but it's watchable. 
I'd have to, I might go a little bit higher. I'd probably give it about the same as Jurassic Park 2, maybe like a 5. Um, 5? Because it's, it's better than when I first saw it, but then again, the way that I saw it, you know? Right. Um, I saw it like in theaters. Like I was 11. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Dinosaurs. And like as an 11-year-old, even I was like, eh, it's pretty good. They had some cool new dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> And then I get older and I'm like, eh, DVDs are a thing. You just watch the original. I'd have to say probably my favorite parts. The even though it makes it doesn't make a whole lot of sense about giving the um, the eggs back, using the larynx to be able to do the whole uh, the, making the sound and like uh, that made sense. It was like okay, you know, you you set this up. That's fine. Yeah. But the worst part's the freaking helicopter. Alan, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Man, yeah, so... You want to go eat some dinosaurs? <laughs> hey, Alan, you got eggs? I like <laughs> eggs. So basically this boils down to this. Dinosaur films, not so great. There's one great one. There's one that a lot of people like from when they are kids. And uh, for the rest, it was a good one. I mean, I like the Lost World. I'd give the Lost World probably about a six, hmm. but like Jurassic Park, I'd give like an eight point five or a nine. Right, Jurassic Park. If you want to watch any dinosaur film, watch Jurassic Park. And yeah. of course, we're doing this all because of Jurassic World coming up. We are going to see Jurassic World. We're going to do a review point of that. So make sure you guys pay attention to that. Hopefully. We're talking about it as this is just as good as Jurassic Park, but I doubt it. At least if it's better than the ones that we talked about in the other parts of these, then that'll be a, an upside. But um, that'll yeah. be coming your way later on this month because uh, we are in June. Um, the June edition of the Four Real Movie Club, by the way, is going to be Terminator films because Terminator is coming our way at the very beginning of July. So we're going to knock that out. And that's another thing where it's like Terminator 1 is awesome and Terminator 2 is even more fucking awesome and Terminator 3, I want to kill myself and Terminator 4. 4 is like, is this still a Terminator movie? Yeah, and Terminator Genesis is looking like I should have died at Terminator 3. Like, <laughs> but that'll all be coming your way, everybody. Of course, pay attention to fanboysanonymous.com for more information about all that and everything else that we have for different podcasts and different articles and whatever like that. Um, for my side of the plugs outside of that, if you're into wrestling, go to smartoutmoment.com to check everything out like that. And if you just want to hear us bullshit about random stuff, the podcast you want to listen to is the All Talk Show. That's on iTunes and Stitcher and YouTube.com slash All Talk Show. And anything else, just follow Tony Mango and A Mango Tree on Facebook, Twitter, etc. And you'll find everything my way. Sam, anything you want to plug? Um, no, you can just catch me doing more podcasts and stuff with fanboysanonymous.com and I'll have something to report for Science 101 when I actually figure out if I'm going to be able to actually make videos because I have no idea how to make videos. So, yay! <laughs> if you know how to make videos and you know science, talk to Sam. <laughs> so that'll do us in for the May edition of the Four Real Movie Club. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thanks to Will and to Sam for joining us for this edition, for joining me, I should say. Uh, I think that that's it, but you guys, despite the bad side of things when it comes to dinosaur films, keep watching those movies, go see Jurassic World, go back and watch Jurassic Park, and we will see you next time. Adios, fanboys and fangirls. At no point 
in your rambling, incoherent response, were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? I'm too old for this. Good day, sir! You stay classy, San Diego. Rose? Well, we're going, we don't need Rose. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I'm finished. That little people. Hasta la vista, baby. Hey, everybody! We're all gonna get late! You're still here? It's over. Go home.